Welcome back to another Never Too Late to Start podcast, a show that highlights stories of people everywhere who have proved that it's never too late to get started on a new path toward success. I'm your host, Joseph Sprung, and today we have a guest who is not only famous here in New York, but whose business grew to the national level. Welcome, Joan Boyce, teacher, mother, business owner, great friend, and an icon for her bold, beautiful jewelry. Joan has had an incredible journey, selling her fine jewelry from a counter in West Hampton Beach to Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman Markets, and even HSN. A divorcee at the age of 22, Joan took her life by the horns, becoming a teacher in Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, and starting her famous jewelry business. There are so many moving parts to your story, so let's start from the beginning. Joan, can you tell us what inspired you to get into the jewelry business? What was your first step, and how did you prepare? That's a great question, Joe, and I'm going to come up with an answer that I think is going to surprise everybody. And the reason I'm going to give an honest, truthful answer is because I want everybody listening to know that it is always a time for them as well to take an opportunity and to grab it, even though you don't understand all of it. I was offered an opportunity in West Hampton Beach just by happenstance to sell jewelry in a little counter. And they said, you know what, next year, if you're still around West Hampton Beach, please come back and let's see if we can make a deal. I'd love to rent you a counter. They saw a pair of earrings on a girlfriend of mine. I was doing like the Avon lady at that time. Comes Memorial Day and my sweet darling husband of 58 years says, do you remember that girl who wanted you to open a counter? Let's go out to West Hampton Beach. No, Alan, I'm teaching. I have enough. I don't want to do it. Make a long story short, my husband prevailed. I walked into this, what is no longer in West Hampton Beach. It was a store called the Glass Ballet. How I had the nerve to rent a counter, I don't know. Because Joe, at that time, I was teaching school and making $4,000 a year. Anyway, friends had to lend me money to rent a house, which is a whole other story in West Hampton. We took the counter, and my first sale, I'll never forget, was $200. And even though I had come from a pretty affluent family, when I left, I moved to New York on my own. I was totally on my own. I had no help of any kind. So it was a huge financial That's why anybody out there who thinks they can't do something because of finances, I'm sitting here telling you that's never an excuse or a reason not to attempt to do something. And that's how it actually got started. 100%. That that is amazing. And, well, I taught school for 14 years. The year after this little booth finished, I had to rent a store. Because I had done well in West Hampton Beach. My mother started business at 57, talk about never too late, and was sending me jewelry, and I kept selling it. What was the source of the passion that drove you to build your business to this level? How did you change as you and your business evolved? So the Barefoot Contessa, which became a humongous business, The Barefoot Contessa at that time was in a very back street in West Hampton Beach. 
and she had a Ferenc sign in her window. Her name was Diana Strata. That was the original Barefoot Contessa. I walked back to her store. I introduced myself and I said, I'm interested in renting. How much is the rent? She told me it was $250 a month. I said, I can't afford that. She said, if you can't afford it, I'll pay it for you. I'll never forget that. And that has really started me also on not only selling jewelry, but mentoring and trying to help people start their own businesses. Because if she had not said that to me, I don't think I would have had the courage or the nerve to take on $250 a month, which in those days was a huge amount of money for us. And my passion grew from there. It became successful and people liked what I was selling. And unfortunately, my mother passed away very young. So I started having to go into the jewelry business on my own. She was no longer sending me jewelry. That's its own story, Joe. Too long for today, but it was very interesting and I loved what I was doing. And I taught and did jewelry for 14 years until I finally said one or the other has to go and I let the school end of it go. Most entrepreneurs out there feel too bound to their day jobs for security. You mentioned feeling relieved to leave your teaching job. What made you sure that your jewelry business was the future for your family? There was no sureness in this whatsoever. If you don't risk, there are no rewards. And I jumped in and said, if I don't do this now, whenever am I going to do it? Because I had a small child and we had two other children. Alan had two other children. We had three babies. I was teaching. I was doing jewelry. I was doing both. Fridays, I would quit my teaching job at 3 o'clock, drive out here, and open my little store till midnight. So it it just became physically impossible to do, and that's when I knew I had to pick one or the other. And it was terrifying. But where there's a will, there's a way. And I chose jewelry, which I'm very grateful for today. What was it like balancing an exciting life of travel, entrepreneurship, and your growing family? (laughs) That's an interesting question. It was extremely difficult, extremely guilt-provoking. I had young kids. My husband was Mr. Mom. I'll tell an interesting sidebar. I used to go to Italy. I was the first American woman to travel to Italy in this small little town called Valencipo to buy jewelry. And Joe, we were so poor, not poor, I won't say poor, poor, but we were so tight at the time that I would buy two pieces of jewelry in this little town that makes all the famous jewelry in the world. I would bring the two pieces back and sell them, and two weeks later, I would fly back and buy three pieces, fly back a month later and buy four pieces, And believe it or not, I did that for, I don't know, 10, 15 years until I was stable enough and grew my business enough to be able to cut down on the amount of travel I did. So while it was exciting and wonderful and I learned to speak all these different languages, extremely difficult. How did you create this brand for yourself? Aside from your life motto, never take no for an answer. 
What instinct or indicator let you know it was time to leave Saks or time to jump into television? Uh, I had no idea. I started TV when I was 68 years old. So anybody listening to this podcast, I want you to know that I am now going to be 82 years old and I am starting a new You definitely do not look it. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. I am starting a new career, which I will tell you about later. So at 68 years old, my son and the owner of Periel, it's a man named Oscar Feldenkrais, kept telling me, my son especially, Brett kept saying, Mom, you have this crazy personality, this over-the-top personality. You'd be perfect for television. And what does the mother always say? Okay, Brett, leave me alone. Okay, okay, okay. Oscar Feldenkrais walks into my store in Aspen. I had a store there for 25 years, and that was probably the highlight of my business career because I met more phenomenal people there. I mean, it was just a very interesting setup. He walks in, and he says, you know what? I think he'd be good for TV. My best friend heads HSN Home Shopping Network, Mindy Grossman. I said, oh, my God. My son's been telling me the same thing. Make a long story short, she calls me and she says, I'm coming to New York next week. I want to meet you. I had this tiny little office. I can't invite the CEO of HSN to my little office. So the Sherry Netherland was a big hotel in New York at the time. I rented a suite. I took my inventory. I mean, it was all real. And HSN was not real. I laid out a huge table of all this real jewelry. She walks in. She never says hello to me. She says, you start tomorrow. Now, go find a manufacturer. I had never manufactured not real jewelry. Go get all of this. I I have to admit, they helped me. And a year after I started, I won Entertainer of the Year at Home Shopping Network. It was absolutely, without a doubt, the 10 most wonderful years of my life. Why do you think you thrived on HSN? How is this different from traditional sales? That's a wonderful question, Joe. I thrived at HSN because I thought I was selling like I was in my store to my best friends. You know when you walk into my store that you've known me many, many years and the people who've walked in, I'm in town 50 years old, know me and I've built a business. But I had the same philosophy, and I did a lot of it through social media. I became very well-known on Instagram. I did a lot of Facebook. I answered every question. We repaired it for free. I mean, everything that I do in my store to make a customer feel good and happy, I did on HSN, and it was extremely, extremely successful for a very long time. Joan, your personality is incredible. I know that's not the first time you've heard that, but what advice can you give others who may not have that natural inclination or talent? Sales are not for everybody, Joe. I mean, there are certain, I, I, my husband and I disagree about this all the time. He believes you can tell somebody and teach someone how to sell. I don't think that. I think that when you love to sell and connect with people, that's a skill that's born in you. 
or this innate. I think you can do a million other things in life besides sell to be happy and earn a living and be very successful, as you well know. But I just happen to love people. I love talking. I love more than talking. I guess I'm a good listener also. And that is, I think, what has contributed to my being a successful salesperson. I think also I have learned to read people. And it sounds crazy, but if everybody listening takes a minute just to think to themselves, what if I listen rather than talk too much? Let me listen, really listen and hear what other people want and need. I think that would be a really beneficial tool in their I agree 100% with that. For everyone out there with a side hustle, they dream of turning it turning into a business. How do you face your fears and make that leap? Whether it's fear of failure, family, finances, etc. You did it. How do how do you teach someone else to do it? You know what? That's a really good question. And there is no such thing today as fear. I mean, we all have it, but there's got to be another word for the word fear. Because when you let that invade your life, it takes over and doesn't allow you. What is the worst that's going to happen? What is the worst that you're going to fail? What does that really mean, Joe? You won't be as successful as you thought you were going to be or you won't be as happy as you want to be, you turn around and you use it as a teaching device. You say, this fear is going to teach me to do it better next time or differently next time. What did I learn from not fear, from not succeeding? And what can I do better to make it work for me? And if you let Fear sit in the way. And this is probably the biggest lesson there is to learn. Fear is the single determining factor, I believe, of people who become really successful or those that are so fearful they don't allow their brilliance and their star to shine through. Find a friend, find a mentor, find someone to give you that little extra confidence you need to get yourself through those moments when you doubt yourself. What advantages have you found to expanding your business at this stage in your life compared to when you first started out? Well, now the advantages are, and I'm going to give everybody a really, really good piece of advice. Pay your bills on time. If you have to stretch, if you have to call somebody because you can't pay a bill, You take care of business, and that's what allowed me to grow. I hope I'm answering the question Mm -hmm. that you asked. But that's what allowed me to grow and really become successful. Because in the jewelry business, your word is your bond. Because your word is what builds your reputation and lets you become successful. What has been your favorite moment in your entrepreneurial journey? HSN. For sure. HSN and meeting all the phenomenally wonderful 
people that have become such close friends. Those are the two best things out of this. Money for me was never my motivator. I never said I want to make more money. I'm out to that. That has never motivated me. My husband teases me all the time, Joe. He says all the time, Joan, the only thing you don't know how to do is make money. I mean, he's teasing me when he says it, but that was never my motivating factor. My motivating factor was that I wanted to be successful and accepted and respected and earn a name for myself. And I hope I did. Well, Joan, you've definitely accomplished all of that and being your friend for over 20 years, and we've shared many past uh, experiences together. And you've, always, sure. and you've always mentioned to me how you'd love to mentor young people and starting a new business. Is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't covered yet? One more thing, and I will call it a day. But I am working on a program as we speak. There is a program that was announced yesterday on the news that I think Bloomberg is one of the many contributed $8 million. And there are many other millions that are now accessible to high school students who are not continuing with their education to go into big business and get a mentor. And I am, as we sit here now talking to you, my husband and I, he's helping me because he was a principal and knows how to write programs. We are writing a program. So I want to teach, I want to be the safety net for these kids that go off into the business world. And I want to teach them business etiquette, which is a thing that I think is sorely lacking in the business community. And the only one hint I'm going to give you is that one of my rules that I am firm about is that there is no telephone allowed while you're working on the man's money. Somebody is paying you and you're on your phone. That is one of the biggest no-nos in business etiquette. So that's only one of many. I hope to present it to the school system and be able to institute some kind of a safety net so that when these kids go into new businesses, they will know the rules of business. Okay. You, you just mentioned Alan as being your partner or being very helpful uh, in your business. How instrumental my, was Alan in in your business being as successful as it is today? You know how much I love my husband, Joe. I, I mean, know that. I know how I fell off my chair in my house many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so my husband and I have been married 58 years. He is my rock. He is my everything. I don't make a decision without him. I, I don't do anything without him. We are together 24-7. It has worked for us. There have been many, many obstacles, Joe. I'm sure you know that. And we have managed to survive all of it. And he is just everything to me. Okay. How important uh, do you say... That, uh, how often do you look at what the economic situation is in the world in determining your forecasts for the future of your business? I don't really look at it that way in terms of my business. I guess at my stage of life right now, I'm, I'm looking to give back rather than focusing on a business end of it. What can I do to make life easier for, I loved teaching. I taught teenagers. I loved every bit of it. 
I know they're all going to say what this old lady thinks she's going to teach me. Well, you are de- Joan, you are I- definitely not thought of as an old lady in West Hampton Beach. That much I can promise you. <laughs> Thank you, but it's and when the kids look at me, I'm sure they're going to say, hey, what does she think she can teach me? But I absolutely know today that I have something to offer. I don't want to get paid. I want to volunteer my time now. I will still continue my business as long as Please, God, my health holds up and my husband is okay. I still love working. But now I want to love working and contribute in another way without necessarily a monetary view. What an incredible journey you've had. First, I want to say thank you for taking the time to share your story with us. As you know, starting a business isn't easy. So thank you for continuing to be a mentor and inspiring this community of entrepreneurs. There's so much we can learn from you. From being a teacher in Brooklyn to starting your own business, you've really proven that you never have to take no for an answer. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. This was one of the most wonderful things I've ever done. Thank you so much, Joan. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And one final thank you to Joan for joining us. Remember, no matter what stage you are at, it's never too late to start.